Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Tara McMullen. Tara is a podcaster, writer, and small business community leader with over a decade of experience helping thousands of small business owners grow their businesses. She's on a mission to change the dialogue about what's really working from hype to candid conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Tara. I'm delighted to have you here. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So I recently saw you give a talk that was really implementation focused. It was a fantastic talk. And your, I know your business really focuses on implementation. In my work with entrepreneurs around impact, there can be a heavy imbalance towards vision and not so much on implementation. And uh, that obviously becomes problematic from a business viability standpoint. So what be your thoughts around that balance? Oh, such a good question to start with. I could talk about this all day. Um, so Great. We, yeah, so we certainly experience this as a challenge as well with our members and with the community um, that we lead because we have a lot of creative thinkers in our audience, in our community. There are people who have big visions for what they want to accomplish uh, as well. And they... But at the same time, they also can really fixate on execution and implementation. In a lot of organizations and for a lot of entrepreneurs, there is this chasm between vision and execution where um, leaders tend to really fixate on the vision piece. The people on the ground tend to really fixate on the execution piece. And like I said, for our members, it's, you know, they're, they're sort of like trying to hold those two things in the balance. And what doesn't get attention is the strategy, the piece that actually brings those two things together. Mm-hmm. How is implementation related to your vision? How does your vision guide implementation? And the closer we can bring those things into alignment, the more balance we can create. And so I really like to try to think about what happens in the middle. Why do we do the things that we do? How uh, does the way we execute um, actually help us bring our, our vision into reality? How does our vision create constraints for the types of tactics that we're going to use or the way we're going to execute on something and really fill out that middle piece, um, put the meat in the air sandwich, if you will. Um, (laughs) That's how I really like to think about it. And it's what I end up coaching a lot of people around too, so that they're not either fixating on the vision piece or fixating on the execution piece, but really understanding how those two things work together um, over the short term, over the long term, and really um, to the uh, to the overall effectiveness of the business. Yeah, I I see small business owners being so challenged by strategy and and what exactly are you supposed to do with strategy? And also, even if you understand what strategy is, it's sometimes hard to make that connection into implementation. So that's really great that you. Uh, the way you just talked about the balance between the two and making sure both are attended to. Yeah. 
So your own business model is somewhat unusual and it's evolved over time. And uh, I'd love to hear about how, it, how it's evolved, what does it look like now, and how do you see it evolving in future? Yeah, so our business model is really a community-oriented business model, a community-based business model. Um, our core offer is a product called the What Works Network, and it's a platform for small business owners to come together to talk about what's working for them, what's not working for them, to ask questions about what's working for other people, and really kind of trade notes about what's happening in their own businesses. Because largely, these are people who, uh, even if they have a couple of people working for them, it's they're they're very isolated in the way they're thinking about their business, the choices that they're making, the strategy that they're implementing, the way the implementation <laughs> is being done. Um, and so we're really trying to provide a space where people can come together to talk about those things. So even if they don't have um, a, a team that can serve them, you know, as, as a sounding board or as, as brainstorming partners, they have our community. So that's our, our core offer. Everything else that we offer is really based off of that value proposition of access to other small business owners, access to, um, you know, diverse ways of uh, running businesses and, um, you know, creating value. And so um, on one end of that, we have a couple of mastermind groups that we run. So small groups where we bring uh, small business owners together and provide a lot more hands-on facilitation and a lot more guidance um, and, and just sort of a different kind of experience, but with the same value proposition. And then on the other side of that, we have our podcast, which is simply called What Works. Um, and it's the same idea. It's about getting access to the different ways small business owners run their businesses. And so so we have this, this community-based business model that's all organized around this single value proposition for access um, and, and learning through experience, learning through the experiences you have and learning through the experiences that others have. Um, so that's, that's sort of like our business model in a nutshell. And like you said, it has evolved over the years. I have been running different businesses, but basically the same business for about 11 <laughs> years now. Um, but it's looked very different over the years. Um, for a long time, I was way more in the business coaching space, um, way more in the small business education space. And I really feel like I've, I've moved away from that, even though what we provide is certainly small business support in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also been uh, a very solid through line um, that kind of brings everything that we've done together, which is that I have always been working to bring small business owners together. I've always been working to help people build relationships with their colleagues, with people who are working through similar challenges, bringing people together who are working towards similar goals. Um, and so in different iterations of the business, we've still had an emphasis on small groups. We've had an emphasis on community and right. And the model that we have now, the, the, the sort of iteration of the business that we're in now is really the fullest uh, expression 
of that value proposition and, and of that sort of philosophy of support for small businesses. I don't think you can go on social media today and not be bombarded with how other people think you should be living your life or running your business, right? right Everyone right. has an opinion on the <laughs> right way to parent your child, to manage your employees, to, um, to nurture your mental health, whatever it might be. Right. There right. are so many opinions and people aren't just presenting them as opinions. They're pre presenting them as sort of the end-all be-all way to do things. Right. And well, that's, not, that's not new. I mean, that's been sort of a thread throughout online education is let me show you the way, whether yeah. it's, you know, six figures in six days or whatever the claim <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. And I don't buy any of that, right? Like, it's right. not that I don't think people have figured out what works for them, but we're not acknowledging the our own agency and our own uniqueness in that and saying, hey, this is what worked for me. We're all, we're, or, you know, we're sort of taught that there's this upside of saying, not only is this what worked for me, but this is what's definitely going to work for you too. Right. And I can't stand that. <laughs> so <laughs> my goal is to really flip that conversation on its head and remove the advice and simply let people talk about their own experiences, their own observations, um, and, and get people asking questions, like letting people be curious about other people's experiences and observations as well. You know, I hear from small business owners all the time that instead of being told this is the way to do it, what they really want to be able to do is tap into their own inner knowledge, their yes. own discernment. Yes. Um, and, and I think you need information for that, right? Like you need data for that. And so mm -hmm. what we're trying to really create is a place where you can gather information from different sources. You can gather different kinds of data, but at the end of the day, you recognize that you are the one that makes the decision. You are the one that decides, I'm going to try this next to see if this is what's going to work for me. And so that's what our whole business model revolves around today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to delve into that more. I, I've heard you talk about the Axis economy and aspects of that. But before we get into that, I'm, I'm interested in something that I noticed on your website. And this is not to put you on the spot in any uh -oh. way. I'm just curious from a business model, but your Axis, the subscription is currently not open for yes. new members. So what what's, uh, what's behind that? Yeah. Um, so trial and error and a lot of errors. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when we made the shift firmly away from sort of the expert advice culture, very business coach sort of oriented business model, fully into the community oriented model, I went all in. I stripped away all of the coaching and all of the resources that we had provided for years and years because I didn't want anyone relying on me anymore for my quote unquote expert advice on what they should do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, we switched to the subscription model. We switched to an evergreen, always open uh, community that anyone could join at any time. And I was so excited about how this was going to work. And I totally drank the Kool-Aid on like, <laughs> we're going to run this like a SaaS and it's going to be amazing. And people are, you know, we're going to create this sales funnel that brings people in all the time and it's going to be amazing. And it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I realized was that I needed to really look at um, where I was willing to, uh, I don't, compromise sounds like 
I'm compromising like on my values or compromising on my philosophy, but I don't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. I had this sort of ideal version of what this offer would look like and how it would be sold. And I needed to decide what were the most important pieces of that and what were the pieces of that that I could change to take advantage of some of the things that I know work when it comes to selling things online. And unfortunately or fortunately, one of those things is giving people sort of time-bound ways to join, to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned this through many years of, you know, launching digital programs the way a lot of people do. Um, But, you know, really we see this all over the place, right? Like we know we buy during sales when retail stores have, you know, it's, uh, we're recording this on, uh, almost on Veterans Day weekend. There will be lots of sales and retailers will make a lot of money this weekend doing time bound sales, uh, this weekend. And so I started to think about like, okay, um, I would prefer this to be evergreen. I would prefer to be able to provide access to this all the time, but when I'm providing access to it all the time, people aren't buying because they're thinking, oh, well, you know, I don't have time for this right now. I'll mm-hmm. try it next month. Or, right. you know, maybe, you know, after this launch, then I'll, I'll, then I'll join Terrace Group. That sounds amazing. And so in order to actually increase the level of access, we needed to close the doors and make our uh, community open to join um, in you know very kind of specific time frames, so mm-hmm. we open the doors to the community about four times a year, um, once every quarter, and it is um, you know, we kind of line that up with some of the programming that we do inside of the community. So every quarter we have a virtual conference where people can come together in a, a digital conference space, and we talk about a particular topic all day long, and so we do these enrollment periods around those virtual conferences. It also allows us to really organize our content in a really helpful way, and it helps us to organize our own sort of back-end operations and customer service as well. So when our enrollment is open, our team can be really focused on making sure that every new member comes through the door, gets what they need in terms of being able to use the community, uh, any coaching that they need in, in terms of how to use the community or how to phrase their questions or their challenges or the things that they need from the community. So even though on the surface it looks like they're where we've cut off access, what we're actually able to do is create better experiences for more people because we've cut off um, sort of the always available access piece mm. of it. Well, I, I really appreciate your transparency around this. And it's one of the really deep strengths, I think, of the What Works platform and, and of you that you are openly sharing the challenges that you're having. So this is a great example of that vision versus implementation thing where you're right, it's, there's no necessity to compromise values, but there is a practical consideration in implementing a business of how do you make this work in the most effective way for the people who are there? And that may require an adjustment from the, the idealized vision. So that's a great example of that. And thank you for sharing your your own struggles with that, really, because um, that that's part of the process, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to bring out the fact that you are so transparent and how incredibly valuable that is. So 
Yeah, transparency is one of our top values. And it's not just something that we practice internally. It's also something that we really encourage for our community members yeah, too. the sure. more transparent, the more candid we can be about what's actually working and how we actually do things, you know, so whether yeah. that's posting um, a Trello board or posting our notion editorial calendar and, you know, and walking people through that and where the policies that we have internally, you know, the more we do that, the more our members do that and the more every Everybody learns and benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, since we're talking about business models, I'm, <laughs> there's been this ongoing conversation around uh, business models of companies during small business education coaching and or training. And um, you wrote a really interesting article that a blog post that, that the title begins from personality cults to collective intelligence that I loved reading about. I think that that personality-driven model is not working anymore. And I'd love to hear your views on it and, and what you call the access economy in, in the larger world of, of business education. Yeah. I mean, I think the personality-based businesses, I agree with you on one end that they're not working. On the other end, they are still making just gobs of money, right? And they represent so much influence and bandwidth um, yeah. that people are being exposed to on a daily, on a even hour by hour basis. Yeah. I do think that there are shifts, um, real shifts happening in the direction of collective intelligence and access. And I think even in some of those personality-based businesses, we're finding um, that shift happening as well. Um, you know, I think that, I think that the challenge with a personality based business is that it is always going to be, no matter how well it's managed, a recipe, a recipe for burnout on behalf of the person that is running mm -hmm. that business, mm -hmm. whose face is everywhere, whose, um, you know, whose opinion turns into someone's scripture for how their business runs, how they live their life, how they parent their child, whatever it might be. That's not good for any of us. It's not good for those of us on the influencer personality side of things, and it's not good for us on the, the learner side of things either. Um, the other thing that really happens is, you know, it's the same kind of things that we see happening in, in like organized religion, which my, my, academic background is in religious mm -hmm. studies. And so I see these, these kinds of correlations all over the place. But, you know, personality-based businesses end up becoming extremely dogmatic mm. so that they lose the focus on, you know, the fundamentals of things, the foundations of things, um, the core beliefs, the core inner workings of things, and they start to get really focused on dogma. Yeah. You know, like you said, the, the six figures in six days, or like, this is the exact right way to run Facebook ads. Right. This is the exact right way to start your YouTube channel, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and they lose focus of how things actually work. And then people wonder why it's not working for them. Or they, they wonder why, um, you know, they followed all of the instructions but they're they're not seeing the results. So um, so like you said, I really see 
especially in the digital small business world, kind of moving toward more of an access economy. And we see this in um, sort of the Facebook groups that people put together or um, the, the platform that I work with on a daily basis, which is Mighty Networks. Um, you know, people pulling together groups of people to work with each other in addition to working with an expert or a coach or a leader. Uh, we also see this, I think, a lot in the movement toward more and more in-person events, even in the in the digital small business space. Um, and I think that this has been sort of something that's been happening for a long time in the small business world and the consulting world. Um, but in the digital small business market now, we're really seeing events starting to take hold, mastermind groups, retreats, um, small conferences, large conferences, meetups, clubs, um, we're, we're really seeing that a lot. And I think it's because people are really craving not just access to you know, a particular formula or blueprint or framework, but they're really craving access to human beings, yes, <laughs> to relationships. Well, I think that's um, why masterminds have, have all along been really popular because yeah. it's not just the vice, advice of the personality driving it if it's, if it's a business that's uh, modeled like that, but also you have access to all these people going through the same thing, sharing their experiences. What have you learned? It's a great forum. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think we see just sort of at our in our culture at large, we see a lot of fracturing, right? We see a lot of isolation. There's been studies done about how we're more lonely today than we've ever been yeah. in the history of humanity, even though we have more access to people mm -hmm. uh, than ever. And I think that's because, you know, some forms of access are better than other forms of access, right? right? Social media does not equal access to relationships, mm -hmm. but community building, uh, hosting a uh, hosting great events, gathering people together, um, and really facilitating conversation, that is the kind of access that people are looking for. And they are absolutely willing to pay for it. And they're getting better results. And I think that's really key. Yeah. Well, a couple of things you said, I just wanted to touch on. And that is that, um, you know, it's that old model, or, or I guess old now, but the personality focus model is detrimental to the uh, person who's who's the personality as well in terms of burnout. And I think sometimes people buy their own Kool-Aid. They start drinking their oh, own yeah. Kool-Aid. And I once saw a, uh, a person like that uh, be on stage and someone uh, argued with their advice and she she really lost her temper. She threw a marker. And oh my just, God. Yeah, it was, it was quite a radical uh, a moment. So it, it really highlighted you know, some of the downsides of that. But yeah, thank you for giving that broader perspective and how all of that can come into play. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about the online community experience and what you think makes a great one and how you've intentionally involved your online community in a way that's really valuable for people. Yeah. Oh, man, I could talk about this all day too. <laughs> Um, so one thing that we have found to be really key with building community and helping people connect with each other is putting the emphasis on members connecting with each other, right? So we're really used to seeing one-to-one -one models. We're really used to seeing one-to-many models where there's a leader or a teacher 
uh, working with multiple students or multiple clients. Our goal has really been from the beginning facilitating what many to many looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it look like to get people asking questions of each other rather than asking questions of me or my team? Um, and so that's been sort of our overall organizing principle from the beginning. And that's been really key. Um, Another thing that's been really key is starting to flip the script on how we experience value in community. Um, You know, I think that we're very much trained in a capitalist society to expect value to be what we can extract from the things that we buy, right? Mm. So in a community that's extracting other people's experience, extracting lessons, um, extracting information. We want to flip that so that we're finding value in what we have to contribute mm-hmm. to the community. I love that. Obviously, we get things. Yeah, obviously, we get things out of that too. And sure. we're, we get learning from that. But if we can say, no, the real value here is you sharing what you've learned. If you can start to see how you, how, Um, documenting your own learning in our community is valuable to you, then the the experience of value in the community at large is going to be exponentially increased. So we've done a lot of work around creating a a culture of contribution as opposed to a culture of extraction. Um, You know, and that looks, sometimes that looks as simple as modeling um, and saying like, here's a mistake we made this month. Let me tell you how we made it and what it looked like and why we're not going to do that again. Um, And asking people to do the same thing. It's also as simple as every week in our community, we ask people, what's one thing you've learned about your business this week? What's one thing you've learned about yourself this week? And, you know, getting 10 responses on that, but looking through those responses and the conversations that they create and seeing how... Uh, sort of acknowledging that we are all part of this learning process, that there's all something valuable that we have to share with the rest of the community. Um, That's been really incredible. Um, And then I think the, the last, well, there's so many pieces to this, but one of the other pieces that I am really learning as a community leader is the value of structure, the value of um, not just letting people, not just telling people what I want them to do or what I what my vision is for the community, but actually building it into the way we structure what happens in our community on a weekly basis. Hmm. So, you know, knowing there's an email that goes out this day that tells people to do this thing. There's this event that's happening every month that um, structures our communication in this other way. There's these prompts that we share um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and really thinking through if this is what I want to have happen, if I want to have a culture of contribution, if I want people to be sharing their own experience instead of giving advice, if I want this, that, or the other thing, what does the structure for that look like? How do I create a container for that to happen on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis? Um, And so we've really been thinking through that structural piece as well. And I'll tell you, um, there's a book that I have been recommending to everyone I know um, that's really um, it's it's sort of highlighted some of the things that I was that I thought I knew um, and then it's also just completely op- you know blown mm. my mind wet, wide open on some things I had never considered that's, and it's that's called kind the, of book 
<laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so it's called The Art of Gathering, um, and it's by a woman named Priya Parker, who is um, a master facilitator, and she facilitates all sorts of things, um, but, you know, including things like international peace talks and, mm, you know, wow. uh, you know, refugee resettlement conversations and things like that. Um, and so she she wrote this book um, about how we can gather better, whether that's at dinner parties or birthday parties or um, adv- advocacy groups. Um, but community building is a form of gathering, right? It yes. is a form of bringing people together. And so for me, even though we are not, we're often kind of gathering very asynchronously and gathering um, across wide geographic distances. Uh, That book has just totally blown my mind open in terms of how we think through what we're doing uh, with the What Works Network. Mm. Well, there's actually a program at the University of Pennsylvania, which is near you, called World in Conversation. And I interviewed their executive director some time ago on the podcast. Her name is Dr. Lori Mulvey. And that organization brings together students and uh, academic facilitators to bring together people to have conversations like, uh, for example, they bring together military who are going to be posted in places like Afghanistan and bring them together with Afghani leaders so that they can better understand what is your situation. They've brought together people from the Palestinians and Israelis to have conversations. So it's that kind of community gathering and bringing people together for real conversation. There's a, a whole other level to it beyond the practical sharing of this is the, the mechanical thing I did in my business that was helpful. And it even goes beyond community, in a sense, on another level. And, and maybe from your background in religious studies, maybe you see it this way, too. I'd love to hear how what you do, how you see the impact that you have in, in all its layers and forms. Oh, yeah. Um so yes, it, I think it does go be it does go beyond those things, and I think we see that especially in the groups that we do like more hands-on facilitation around, where they where people are really invested in developing relationships with the people that they're working with with us. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the impact of that on one level is you know for our small business owners, like I said before, they feel so isolated most of the time. Being in community with us, building relationships in our community for them equals a level of support that they've never experienced before. Mm. Sure, they might have bought information products before. They might have worked with a coach before. But work, but being in a community where people have their back, uh, where they truly care about the people that they're with that's a whole different level of support. In fact, um, another book um, called The Art of Community by Charles Vogel, he talks about defining community as um, a group of people who, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's something about <laughs> like, it's a group of people that actually care about one another. They care about what they're going through. They care about their results. They care about how they feel. Um, and you know, there are all sorts of groups where that we belong to where that isn't the case. We're associated by, uh, you know, membership in some organization. We're associated by um, our geographic location. We're associated by the gym that we belong to. Mm-hmm. But we don't really care. I mean, 
on one level we care, but we don't deeply care about the other people that we're gathering with in the in those groups. Whereas a community is all about gathering with people that care about you and that you in turn care about as well. Um, and I think those are the kinds of relationships that we're missing on a day-to-day basis and that transcends business. So it's not just, I care about you and your business, but I care about your family. I care about your mental health. I care about um, what, how you're feeling yeah. today, whether you're sick, whether, you know, whether you're in California where the fires are burning or whether you know, you're in Texas and you just got hit by a hurricane. Like Those are the things that people in our community really care about. Um, on another level, I think that the impact starts to really, the impact of what we're doing and what we're trying to create, it starts to impact people on a much deeper level in terms of their businesses as well. So that it's not just, you know, this tactic worked for me or here's how I do this thing, but people really start to think about their the way they do things differently. They start to examine all sorts of biases they might have, assumptions that they've made, um, experiences that have created certain ways of being or certain ways of showing up that aren't serving them anymore. And so, um, you know, again, especially in the smaller groups that we facilitate, um, I see things go very quickly from, oh, here's how you do this to, no, 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 let's, let's get into the mindset piece of this. Let's get into the assumptions or the bias or the trauma that is creating this problem in the first place or who has created this question in the first place. So there's that other level. Um, and then the other thing that I love to see, and I was just talking with um, some folks outside of our community about this earlier today too, is sort of the ripple effect of the culture that we're creating yeah. in our community. So, you know, we have been very, very intentional about the boundaries in our community, about the rules of our community, the structure of our community, and thinking about those things and how they contribute to the culture that we're creating inside of our community creates ripple effects outside of our community as well. People take different things from the groups that they belong to, you know, a a lot of times. Right. A lot of times, um, you know, with our no advice policy, for instance, um, we have members come back to us and say, uh, so I joined this other group and they don't have this policy and it's just torture, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and so they, they start to present themselves and expect different things in the other groups that they belong to. And so we start to see the culture that we've really carefully um, nurtured in our group really ripple out beyond, beyond the walls of our community. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that aspect of the, uh, it shifts expectations in terms of what interaction looks like and how how do you provide value. It's not just hurl another piece of information at someone, which has its own value, but it's not as great as entering into a dialogue or, or having people listen and really engage around it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, something that is is near and dear to my heart is taking strategy and implementing it in alignment with the impact that you want to have. And what challenges have you come across in that way? I I guess we've already touched on something around the uh, early on in the availability of access to the community and being able to sign up. But are there other things that you've come across that you've been able to work through that have really first challenged you and then allowed you to come to a new level with the impact you're having? 
Yeah. I mean, I think sales and marketing is probably the biggest piece for us because we are defining value differently. And because that's core to our strategy, um, it takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of expectation setting to be able to market and sell what we're offering effectively. Once people are in and they get it, like they're customers for life, right? They're members that are going to stick around for years. Mm. But winning business initially has been a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that we're still constantly experimenting with um, and, and implementing in new ways. And we've sort of, at this point, we feel really solid with one particular way of doing it, right. um, you know, through our podcast, through opening the doors um, intermittently throughout the year, um, through getting our members to talk about what we do. But we know that there's other ways that we could be doing it as well. And so we're constantly kind of searching for like, what is that? What's the next thing? What's another layer that we can add to this that's going to make it even more effective? Um, So that's a big piece of it. Um, I think another piece for us on, again, on an ongoing basis is really understanding when to coach our members around our culture um, and when to... Uh, when to like stand up for our boundaries inside of the network itself. So there are some, you know, we've had not as many as some, uh, some communities, but we've had some challenges (laughs) um, with individual people, with different types of interactions, with um, resetting expectations inside of the community itself. And so we're always wondering like, okay, this is what we want. This is our vision. This is the culture that we're trying to create. When do we intervene? When do we let the community take care of it? Mm-hmm. Um, when do we kind of let it go and ignore it and let the ignoring of the thing be its own sort of quote unquote punishment? Or message. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, um, so that's another big piece um, that I can't... I, uh, we don't have a particular procedure or policy for it yet. It's still very much a, you know, really kind of feeling things out um, on a case-by-case basis, starting to come up with some different types of, of procedures that we can follow internally for making those decisions. Um, but that's been one of the other biggest challenges that we've had in terms of implementing our strategy, but also thinking about the the impact of what that implementation actually has. Yeah, thank you for talking about that because there have been some really public um, and and episodes in other online communities that people have been really challenged by. And it's a real thing. I mean, you want to make sure that people are um, experiencing things in a way that's respectful and yet honoring multiple views. And it's not an easy thing to manage. I, I think sometimes people can go quickly to indictment and uh, you're trying to find a, a balance there between are they really not doing their job and managing the community versus, you know, sometimes things just happen when people get yep. together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the last area I really want topic I wanted to really raise with you is this uh, question of impactful leadership. And I know your team is uh, relatively small. How many people in your company's company right now? Oh, there are five of us right now. Yeah. How do you? How is your own leadership developed in that? And and what are one or two things you'd 
you would share that have been particularly valuable in your growth as a leader? Oh, yeah. Um, I think about this on a, on a regular basis. Um, and I do. company by myself, but with help for about seven years before we hired our first full-time employee. Tara, I'm going to interrupt because we lost the beginning of that sentence. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Did you hear my whole question? I I I did. Okay, great. Yeah. So, uh, I ran the company by myself with help, you know, in the form of contractors and, and freelancers um, for seven years before I hired my first full-time employee. Hmm. And I knew that hiring, quote unquote, real employees was going <laughs> to be a challenge and was going to be different, but I didn't realize the way it was going to impact me and what it was going to require of me as a leader. Hmm. Um, and so I had to commit to doing things the way the rest of my team does them. I couldn't be the creative, um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I don't have to follow the rules kind of person anymore. (laughs) I needed to be willing to say, these are the rules and I am also going to follow them or this is the way we do things and I'm going to do it that way too. so annoying, right? It is, it is, no. (laughs) What's funny is that it has made me such a better person, I think, just in life in general, Mm. is that I see it everywhere now. I see how um, I try to weasel out of things. I see how I try to be different. I see what kind of barriers I put up between myself and other people um, in order to not um, sort of uh, do things the way other people do them or to kind of fit in. Um, And you know what? Fitting in and doing things the way I'm supposed to do them and doing things I don't feel like doing has been huge. It's been huge for our company. It's been huge for me as an individual. Mm. Um, And it was an an important change for for me to make. Um, Another thing that I have really had to do is think through my own communication style and not only that, but the communication needs of my team. I expect that like, if I say things once, that people are going to remember them or that they're <laughs> going to like internalize that thing immediately. And I've realized that that is a completely unrealistic expectation, of course. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I have really needed to, for myself, come up with a strategy of how I'm going to communicate with my team members, what that's going to look like, um, how I'm going to repeat things in a way that actually shows that I mean what I say and that I'm not just coming up with something on the fly. Um, So that's been another big piece. And then I think the third piece has been about access, um, but also access with with boundaries as well. Um, I know that I very easily give off the impression that you're bothering me if you ask me for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oftentimes you are bothering me <laughs> if you ask me for something. But I have learned that is not okay <laughs> and that I need to be accessible. I need to be open and I need to, um, as well as I can, and it's something I'm working on, I need to not only like not only state that, but mean it and project it as well, that I am accessible, mm-hmm. that you can ask me questions. And at the same time, 
I also really need to take care of myself to be able to do that. Um, so like even just this, this past weekend, I had an absolutely horrific two days of not being able to talk even to my own husband because I had been so wide open and so accessible for about two weeks while I was at conferences and meeting with team members and you know, talking to people and trying to keep up with things. Mm-hmm. And I found myself just completely shut down and I can't do that. Like that's not sustainable. So I need to be able to figure, I need to be able to prioritize my own space to not be accessible and not be open while at the same time making sure that most of the time I am accessible and open. Um, and so those like that all of that personal work has been me trying to improve my leadership um as as a business owner and as a team leader well and thank you for talking about that tara because i think that you really spoke to the very thing that challenges entrepreneurs when they're scaling how do you increase the size of your company and do it in a way that brings the necessary people that you have to bring on board in order to do that, bring them in in a way that is not only going to serve the mission of the company and the impact you want to have, but also treat people well and and allow them to do their jobs and have their own impact. And that, that thing you spoke about around uh, accessibility and openness and, and uh, people getting a sense of don't bother me. I wrestle with that myself in uh, when I was scaling a number of years ago. And it's, I was horrified to discover that I was projecting that message because yeah. I was so focused on what I was doing. And I felt like, yeah, interrupt me anytime. But that obviously wasn't what was coming across. And it, it was a real barrier. And it's, um, and, and that balance you mentioned of, yes, be accessible and open and take care of yourself is so crucially important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to wrap up these interviews, I always do a rapid round of of three questions around impact. Are you game? Absolutely. Great. What's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? I think the biggest thing I've learned about having impact is that if it's just me, my impact is going to be limited, that I have to get buy-in from the people around me, the people I care about. Mm, Great. Well, second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Uh, I think the thing that I have done is, especially over the last few years, really prioritizing my own work on myself um, because I can't have the impact that I want to have if I'm personally stymied, if I'm not self-aware, if I don't see my own biases and assumptions and and challenges and self-sabotage. So, so much of the work I've done, especially, like I said, the last few years, toward having an impact out, outside of me has been about having an impact inside of me. Mm, that is great. The last question is, what's one insight or piece of advice you'd share with another business owner who's asking, how can I have impact? How can I contribute more? Yeah, I've mentioned assumptions and biases a few times now. Um, and I think that the, it, this is something that's really important to me personally, but it's also a, a huge challenge that I see, you know, with the the members that we have in our community, and that is just that we are not 
assessing our assumptions and we're not assessing our biases and, and, and beliefs on a regular basis to determine what's really true um, and what is a misrepresentation of of the world outside of us. Um, and so in order to have an impact, I think we need to be constantly reassessing and re-examining the things that we believe to be true, the assumptions that we're making about ourselves, our organizations, and other people, um, and really look to find, to find the truth, whatever that might be for us, for our businesses, and for the market. Mm, love that. Well, Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. I love the candid way that you've talked about the inner workings of your own business and the way that you've progressed and moved through the challenges that you've had and also seen some really great outcomes in terms of, of your own impact and that of your business. So thank you so much for sharing all of that today. Well, thanks for having me, Ursula. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, the best way for people to reach me is Instagram, actually. I love talking to people on Instagram. So you can go to Instagram.com slash Tara underscore McMullen, or obviously just write in the app, Tara underscore McMullen. Uh, that's how you can find me there. Feel free to shoot me a DM. I'd, I'd love to chat with you. Great. Well, thank you for the work you're doing in the world, Tara. Thank you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.